All right, we are going to be reading Psalm 130 this morning, and I'm not going to be up here for very long because it's not very long. So there it is. Psalm 130, my soul waits for the Lord. It's a song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. All right. Is this on? People can hear me now? Okay, here we go. Uh, Good morning. Uh, For those who don't know me, uh, my name is Austin Darnell. Uh, My wife, Eric, and I are missional community leaders here at Believer's Church. Um, We've been in that role for a couple of years now. Uh, We've been attending BC since around 2015 uh, and have been members uh, from shortly thereafter. Uh, This is my first time preaching uh, at BC or anywhere for that matter. So please bear with me as I kind of move through my notes and try and keep things on track. Uh, for those visiting BC this morning, uh, for the past few months, we've been going through the Minor Prophets, and just last week we finished up Jonah. Uh, and when I was approached uh, to preach this morning, I was asked if I wanted to jump into Micah 1 and 2 straight away, or if I wanted to uh, pick a psalm. And as you can probably assume from the passage that Daniel just read, I chose the latter. Uh, I chose Psalm 130 because uh, it's probably my favorite psalm for a variety of reasons. Um, Uh, which I'll kind of get into uh, here in a couple of minutes. Uh, But I'm really, really excited to show you how this psalm has pointed me back to Jesus, uh, and I'm hoping that it can do the same for you. Um, So those reasons that I'm uh, wanting to preach on this psalm, I think it gives us a really, really good, clear picture of who God is and his nature uh, and kind of some characteristics of him. And those are kind of the main uh, things that I'm going to be hitting on uh, this morning as we move through this passage. Uh, The second is, I think it's a really, really good picture of the gospel, and it shows how Jesus has fulfilled uh, a lot of the things uh, in this psalm. Uh, And then finally, this psalm really became my prayer uh, when uh, my daughters Amelia and Lydia were born in 2020 and just last year, uh, and I'll kind of hit on that here in a few minutes as well. Uh, So for those who don't know what I do for a living, uh, I'm what's called a child protection specialist. Uh, That's just a really, really fancy title uh, for the guy who goes out and looks into reports of abuse and neglect for kids. Uh, As you can probably assume, that puts me into contact with a lot of brokenness in the world, uh, and a lot of people that I'm talking to on a daily basis are probably in positions of being in the depths. Uh, And I'll kind of hit on that in a few minutes as well, just um, what that may look like for certain people. Um, But as I've read through this psalm um, more and more over the last couple of weeks and prayed through it uh, in preparation for this morning, um, I started to notice that you can really break it down into two in two different ways. Uh, The first one is into four even parts, uh, verses one and two, three and four, five and six, and then seven and eight. Uh, And you can probably see that layout in your Bible. Uh, This psalm is a song, so those are probably just the different verses of the song um, as, as they're being sung. Uh, The second is breaking it down into two parts that are uneven, uh, verses 1 through 6, and then verses 7 and 8. 
In verses 1 through 6, the psalmist is talking very much about their own circumstance, their own internal uh, struggle, their own personal forgiveness. They're using words like I and my. And then in verses 7 and 8, it shifts uh, to where the psalmist is now rejoicing and addressing Israel as a whole and talking about more of a corporate forgiveness for all of God's people and talking about redemption that's coming from the Lord. Um, And like I said, this is a really, really cool picture uh, to see through the lens of Jesus and how he's fulfilled these things uh, for us. So uh, I'm going to pray really quick, and then we're going to jump into the passage. Father, I just thank you that uh, you've given us the opportunity to come together as a body this morning uh, and just be able to worship you. Uh, And Jesus, I just pray that you would Uh, be present here. Help us to just fall more and more in love with you today uh, as we uh, look into the word and just see who you are and what is in your nature. Uh, Spirit, I just pray that you can soften hearts and minds and that we would be able to absorb this well and just apply it into our lives. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to be going through the passage verse by verse. Um, The first two I kind of separate out a little bit more, and then I kind of stick with that uh, grouping of three and four, five and six and seven and eight. Uh, So they should be on the screen behind me. Uh, So we'll start in verse one. Um, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Um, We see the depths mentioned in multiple places in Scripture, um, and sometimes it's referenced as different names. Um, The depths is used a lot in the Psalms. Uh, You can see it as Sheol, uh, the pit, or the mire. And I've got a couple of uh, examples of that uh, in some different places in Scripture. Uh, The first one being in Lamentations 3, 55 and 56. Uh, And those should be on the screen behind me. They are. Uh, I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help. Uh, And then the next one is in Jonah 2.2, which, like I said, we were just in a couple of weeks ago. Uh, This is Jonah's prayer uh, when he's in the belly of the fish. It says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Uh, In each of these circumstances, the author is kind of connecting a main theme that they are in a position of Uh, feeling isolated. They're feeling like God is distant and that they are alone in their circumstance. Uh, They come in different places. In Lamentations, uh, this is when Babylon has come in, Jerusalem has been destroyed, the temple has been destroyed, and God's people are being taken off into exile. And then in Jonah, it's obviously talking about Jonah running from the Lord, being thrown into the sea, and swallowed by a pretty big fish. Um, so the psalmist in our passage, though, is talking about the depths um, and experiencing that. Uh, and this is really a depth of understanding the magnitude and the weight of his own personal sin against a holy God. Um, while we as uh, modern people probably don't have to be worried about being taken off into exile anytime soon or hopefully swallowed by a big fish uh, anytime soon, uh, the consequences of our own sin uh, have caused every person here to be in the depths at one point or another. Uh, and like I said, with my job, that can look like a lot of things, and it looks like a lot of different things for us. Uh, that can be uh, poverty, uh, addiction, homelessness, uh, struggles in relationships. Uh, that list can go on and on, but the depths make us realize that we can't fix the brokenness in our lives, um, or in the world for that matter. The depths are bringing us to a place where our strength has completely failed us, and that uh, 
every lifeline that we've had is no longer going to work. So the only place that, the only thing that we can do is cry out to the Lord for help. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, this psalm really became my prayer uh, when Amelia and Lydia were born. Uh, I struggle with anxiety, which is coming into effect here as I stand before all of you. Uh, but when the girls were born, I was having panic attacks every day, uh, maybe sometimes multiple times a day. Uh, if you never had a panic attack, they're not fun. Uh, it's just this inescapable and overwhelming feeling of just dread and isolation. Uh, that was looking like, for me, not being able to breathe. Uh, I can't formulate my own thoughts. I can't express myself. I can't form sentences. So I'm not able to tell Erica why I'm feeling this way, what she can do to help me, why I'm hyperventilating, or why I'm now uh, curled up on the couch smelling coffee beans in a feeble attempt to calm down. Google told me it would work, and it did not. It did not. Um, so there are just too many moments where uh, I was in the depths to count. Um, and the only thing that I could do in those moments was cry out to the Lord. And sometimes that was only just repeating Jesus in my head because I can't form my thoughts or maybe through tears crying out and just saying, help me. Uh, and that really brings us into verse two pretty nicely. Uh, so verse two says, "'Oh Lord, hear my voice. "'Let your ears be attentive to the voice "'of my pleas for mercy.'" Uh, in verse 2, the psalmist is pleading for the Lord's attention and for him to show him mercy. Uh, the psalmist is feeling that separation because of just the weight of his sin and is begging for the Lord to hear him and just to answer those prayers from the depths. Uh, however, the truth of the matter is the Lord hasn't left. Uh, the Lord is with us in those moments. Even when we are feeling isolated and separated, he's present with us. Um, we can look back into the word and see that again. So I've got a couple of other uh, verses here, uh, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. So um, the first one is Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19. Uh, and these also should be behind me. Uh, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cries and saves them. Uh, and then, like I said, I'm going to jump into the New Testament uh, in Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a Savior who is acutely aware of our brokenness, uh, and he's shown us this overwhelming mercy by stepping into that brokenness to pull us out of it. Uh, he became broken himself so that we could have life, so that we would not be stuck in this position forever. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 130 is calling on God to be merciful, uh, which we know he is, and that's who he is. This mercy that he has is overflowing for us and is unchanging. And we can look back into the word and see that time and time again. A uh, couple more references for that. Uh, the first one being in Deuteronomy. Uh, it's Deuteronomy 4.31. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. Uh, and then another one, just kind of putting that back on display, is back in Psalm 145, but this time in verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. We can be assured that if we are calling out to the Lord from the depths, 
He's attentive to us because he loves us and because he is merciful. It's in his nature to be merciful, and that's unchanging. No matter what our position is, he's always the same. Uh, So we're going to move into verses 3 and 4, which are a couple of really, really good verses kind of uh, right in the middle of this section. Um, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Uh, A quick spoiler, uh, there's no one on earth in the past, present, or future except for Jesus who could stand before our Father and say that they are without sin and that they are guiltless in his eyes. Uh, We're born into a broken world that is cursed by sin. However, we can look back into the Word and see God's character on display again in forgiveness. Um, And here we're going to go to Nehemiah 9.17, which says, They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you were a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. And then we're going to jump back into the New Testament and just see how God's character has not changed over the course of hundreds and hundreds of years and still hasn't now. Uh, So we're going to go into Colossians, uh, and it's verses 1, 13, and 14. Uh, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We don't worship a God who is uh, spiteful or that holds a grudge. Uh, We worship a Father who loves us so much that he sent his only Son for us to save us from our sin and our brokenness. He has forgiven us and will continue to do so because of the faith that we now have in him. Um, And this forgiveness leads to the fear that verse 4 is talking about. Um, And this isn't the fear of being destroyed or a fear that God is going to one day just change his mind and say, you've you've done too much, forgiveness gone. Um, Now, this is a fear that is just a reverence and an awe for a father who gave us a gift of righteousness that we could never attain on our own. and that we didn't deserve at all. Um, and this is kind of something Erica made me second guess myself. I'm pretty sure Dan said it last week. If not, it's still a good picture. Uh, just the, the picture of us sitting in a jail cell in the shackles of sin, but Jesus breaking into that cell and releasing us. We're free from the bondage of sin, but to take that even a step further, we're no longer just released from sin. We are found guiltless. Jesus has wiped away those iniquities, so we are no longer guilty and needing to sit in that cell. Uh, And we should want to follow Jesus because of that, and it shouldn't be out of an obligation of, well, you did this for me, now I, I need to do this for you. It should be out of a sheer thankfulness for the magnitude of what he's done for us. This forgiveness and this righteousness that we've received uh, should compel us to follow Jesus because of these things that we're looking at, this mercy and love and forgiveness that he is constantly pouring out on us. Uh, So we'll move into verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. Uh, waiting is really, really difficult. And you can probably ask anyone here that knows me pretty well that I'm really, really impatient. Uh, I do not like to wait. I'm all about instant gratification. Um, However, waiting in the midst of turmoil and despair or this feeling of separation from God is even harder. 
but we can look in the, in the passage and see the psalmist uh, in verses five and six reiterates three times that he is waiting for the Lord or his soul is waiting for the Lord. That's because he knows that the Lord keeps his promises and that the Lord is true to his nature. Um, how do they know this? They're hoping in his word. Uh, the psalmist knows that the Lord is overflowing in these characteristics that he's mentioning, this mercy and love and forgiveness. Uh, and he knows that God is strong to save and that he's heard these prayers from the depths and he's not going to abandon him because that's not who God is. Um, and in verse six, the psalmist is using the metaphor more than the watchman for the morning. At around this time, this uh, psalm was written, uh, being a night watchman was dangerous. Uh, it's you and a few other guys hanging out on the wall uh, and as the sun goes down, the, the danger rises. Uh, inside your city, there's probably an uptick of crime um, that you may have to take care of, but coming from the outside, you're more prone to an attack from an invading army because your city is asleep. So it's you and these few guys against an army waiting for your city to wake up and be ready to go. Um, and we can look at this and see that the psalmist is waiting and longing for the Lord to come, but he knows that he's going to, just like the watchman knows that the morning is coming. When the sun rises, the morning comes, the danger has passed. There's relief and there's rest and respite coming. And we know that when the Lord moves, there's going to be relief and there's going to be rest and that danger will have passed. We know that the Father is not going to leave us in the depths and in this danger, he's coming and he's moving and he loves us. Uh, and we can be sure of that just as surely as the sun is going to rise in the morning. And to even take that a step further, um, on this side of the cross, we can now hope in Jesus and know that there's going to be a day that Jesus returns and he's going to make all things new and he's going to redeem us. So we can look into his word and see that and know it's going to happen and we can wait on the Lord ourselves with eagerness, knowing that that day is coming. And we can long for it like a watchman waits for the morning. Uh, so we'll move into verses 7 and 8. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Uh, so like I said at the beginning, this is kind of where the psalmist shifts um, from talking about their own circumstance and is now rejoicing and talking to Israel and God's people as a whole. Uh, verse 7 highlights another characteristic that the psalmist is uh, declaring in that steadfast love. Um, so there's time and time and time again in Scripture that we can see the steadfast love of the Lord being declared. Uh, we saw it in Nehemiah 9.17 a few minutes ago. Um, I didn't put any more references in here because there's just so many that I really couldn't narrow it down. Uh, so you can find those yourself. There's a lot of them. Uh, but what we need to remember this morning is that this is not a love that is wavering. Uh, it's not a love that's waning. It's not a here one day love, gone the next. Uh, this is a love that is constantly pouring out on people who are really, really good at sinning and messing up over and over and over again. Uh, this is the love of a father who is patient with his children, even though they're really good at rebelling and not listening. And it might be easier for him to throw his hands up and say, I'm done, that's enough. Uh, but this is also the same love that would compel a father to send his only son to die a perfect death for those same people who keep on sinning and rebelling when they don't deserve it. And the redemption that's being talked about in verses 7 and 8 has come in Jesus. Uh, God has shown us these same things over and over, this mercy, this forgiveness, and love through Jesus. And we've been saved from our sins because of Christ's finished work on the cross. Um, 
And that isn't the end of this. Um, There will be a day when Jesus returns, like I said, and all of creation is going to be redeemed and made new. Uh, So we should be putting our hope in the Lord, not only as individuals, but as God's people. Uh, We can see that individual forgiveness is there, but we can see as a body that all things in all of creation are going to be made new and made uh, and redeemed. Uh, So we can trust in his word uh, because he is true to it. He's overflowing in mercy and grace and love because that's who he is. And we can see that all over scripture and that's never going to change. Um, I think that this psalm brings a a lot of hope to believers, but also to non-believers. As believers, we're able to trust that the Lord is present and that he is strong and he's saved us and he's never going to leave us. Um, But I think for non-believers, it's all of those things plus more. Uh, I think that you can see this as the Lord hearing the cries of his creation. And even if someone maybe doesn't know who Jesus is or has put their trust in him, they can still cry out to him. And we just saw this last week in Jonah with the Ninevites. Uh, These are an evil people on the cusp of destruction. But when they cry out to the Lord for mercy, he answers them with mercy. He shows them grace and he relents from that. Much to the chagrin of Jonah, but it does show us uh, who God is. Uh, There is mercy and forgiveness and love for the people who are calling out to the Lord and putting their faith in him. Uh, He is providing redemption for anyone who trusts him. And that's really, really good news. Uh, As believers, we should want to tell other people about this. We should be compelled to let people know about who we serve and that we have this hope for the the moments that we are in the depths and we're feeling alone and separated. We know that that's not the case. And that's for non-believers too. That's applicable to them. When they are in the depths or they are feeling alone, they can have this same hope and know that they're not alone, that there is a God who loves them and is wanting to show them mercy and wants to save them. Uh, We should be people who tell others about this good news. Uh, We can cry out to the Lord because he is merciful. Um, We can fear the Lord because he is full of forgiveness. Uh, We can wait on the Lord because he is faithful. And we can hope in the Lord because he loves us and he will redeem us uh, if we're trusting in him. So that's all I have. So I'm going to pray and then Dan is going to come up and uh, introduce the Lord's Supper. Jesus, uh, we thank you that you are overflowing in mercy and grace and steadfast love and forgiveness for us. Even as we mess up over and over and over again and try and fix ourselves through whatever means possible, uh, we thank you that you are patient with us. We thank you that you love us and that you have saved us. Jesus, we just pray that this morning we could be Uh, people who tell others about the hope that we have in you. We thank you that you are unchanging and that we can just trust in that. In moments where uh, we've placed ourselves in positions that uh, make us feel isolated or make us feel alone, Lord, we thank you that uh, you are here and that you aren't going to leave us and that you love us so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.